Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Episode number 149. The big 150 is coming up this first day, actually. But today I'm talking to Tyler Knutsen. He's an Airbnb host in Chicago, and he also runs a website, The Laptop Landlord, where you can find information about Airbnb hosting. Am I correct, Tyler? Yep, you got it. Perfect. Thanks, Jasper. Awesome. How's life in Chicago? Life is good. We're finally getting some spring weather here. So, um, you know, I think we're going to. We're going to talk for a little bit today, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the day outside. Nice. Well, I have lived in Chicago for about one and a half years. This is a long time ago, though. I moved in 2009, and I remember two things. It was extremely cold in the winter. Yep. But on the positive side, I remember that once the sun started shining and the temperatures kind of got above 70 degrees or so, the town completely shifted into spring mode and everybody would throw parties, barbecues, beach volleyball, like people really make the most out of the sort of the, the late spring and the summer. And that's a great time to be in Chicago, I found. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we have, uh, we definitely know that we have a limited time until that cold winter you mentioned comes back. So we, we like to get out there and, uh, and have some fun while the, while the sun shines for spring and summer at least. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great city. It's a great city. I love going back there. Uh, are you originally from Chicago? or? So I'm from just north in Wisconsin. So I grew up uh, about three hours away from here. And um, so kind of through some different things, I've landed here in Chicago. So we've been here about five years now. So just a little bit longer than you, but we've had plenty of those those cold winters and kind of beautiful summers. Awesome. Well, Wisconsin is a, is a great uh, state as well. I, I did yeah. a road trip along the Mississippi River, all the way up to Lake Superior, I think. Spent a week there. It was great fun. Ate a lot of cheese. Yes. Um, which we do in Holland as well. So we have that in common. Yes. But let's get into Airbnb, because your, your story is quite interesting. So let me uh, give you the chance to sort of introduce yourself and tell us how you got involved with Airbnb in the first place. Yeah. So I think like a lot of people, I kind of accidentally became an Airbnb host and then, you know, kind of forgot about it and you know, came back to it later out of necessity. So kind of the, my my origin story as an Airbnb host was I was my now wife, then fiance and I lived out in um, Eugene, Oregon on the West Coast here in the U.S. And I was at graduate school out there and was just kind of wrapping that up and was starting to think about student loans, you know, in the in the near future and, and as well as kind of looking for for work and things like that. And 
it was summer of 2012. And if anybody remembers in late summer of 2012, it was the, uh, the London Summer Olympics. But the U.S. trials for those Olympics were in Eugene, Oregon, which is kind of a the track and field capital of at least the U.S. So there were thousands and thousands of spectators and athletes and coaches and people doing promotions and things coming to Eugene, Oregon, um, meaning that I think much like the origin of Airbnb itself meant that there was the hotels in the in town were were overloaded. It's a college town. There's some hotels and things, but they quickly filled up with some of the early birds and and a lot of the spectators that um, were going to come and watch the, the Olympic trials. Family members or just people from kind of near and far were coming and and they needed a place to stay. And so back to me kind of thinking about wrapping up school and having to start paying back the student loans, I thought, well, you know, I wonder if we can put our place up for rent on Airbnb. It was kind of, it was fairly new to me at the time. This is 2012. And so listed our place and it was, I was surprised at how easy it was to find people. And I think some of that had to do with, you know, like I mentioned, people not uh, having anywhere to stay. They were probably looking at either hotels being booked or kind of ridiculously expensive in town so or staying a long way away. So we were a seven-minute drive from where everything was happening with the Olympic trials right near the campus. So ended up hosting two different sets of guests uh, throughout that two-week period or week-long period that was uh, the Olympic trials and um, kind of forgot about it for a while, you know, and uh, through looking for work and kind of trying to move back to where closer to family where we were from, we ended up back here in Chicago and, you know, still kind of while looking for for work and things throughout the year or year or two that followed that, you know, I still hadn't fully paid off those student loans or even close. Um, and at you know, one point we're looking for ways to make some extra money and tried everything felt like. So, you know, delivering different things, uh, you know, selling off what you have, which you can only do so much of before you run out of things to sell and <laughs> finally ended up remembering uh, kind of a, you know, a head slap moment why don't I try Airbnb? You know, we live in a, you know, one of the largest cities in the U.S. and in the world. Uh, there's got to be some demand for it. And kind of the same story, put our place up on Airbnb. Um, and it didn't take very long before people were um, really interested in our place and then got really interested in, you know, becoming a host again and again. I had some background in kind of customer service and, you know, kind of act really accidentally was pretty great at, you know, making people stay great and got some great reviews early on, which I later found out is very important, um, but really wasn't trying to do that at the time. And it ended up being pretty successful for us. That's kind of how I became an Airbnb host uh, originally and then stepped away from it for a little while um, and then kind of became a fairly consistent part-time host again a few years later. And where do you stay when you rent out your place? Yeah. So that's um, kind of something else I stumbled across accidentally is that there, you know, there's a, there's different types of Airbnb hosts and we were kind of opportunists, if you will. So we really just, for the most part, when we were already going to be gone, I would know that far enough ahead of time that I would put our place available. I would set our calendar to available. So, you know, a lot of times we would be back up in Wisconsin visiting family or, um, you know, going to someone's birthday party or just going up to visit family or go on vacation or something up there. And we would put our place up if we knew we were going to leave. So a lot of times we knew that well ahead of time, which I think helped, you know, if we can, if I could put it up 
a month or six weeks ahead. But even sometimes we would decide, you know, on a Wednesday that we were going to go, we were going to be gone for the weekend. Um, and even some of those occasions, we were able to still, at least during the right season here in Chicago, the season that is starting right about now, it becomes e- even easier to to get some folks last minute to rent our place. So usually we were only renting it when we were already gone, which I think is a, a very specific type of Airbnb host. There's kind of uh, a whole range of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's one of the cool things about Airbnb is that you can use it so many different ways. There's also people who put their place up every weekend. And then if somebody books it, then they just go on the last minute city trip. Yeah, I, I know I've seen that before too, where people will, you could call it like a break even weekend where, you know, you kind of do a staycation and you put your place up and then, you know, you just need to know that you're going to be able to, and it probably helps to be in a, a larger city. It would be hard to do in maybe a rural area, but you know, you can, you can be confident that you're going to be able to find somewhere that's roughly the same as what you're collecting as a host. So, you know, essentially you can kind of do a, a staycation and explore a different area of your own city for, for free after it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Have you done that before? Well, I mean, I've always uh, rented out full time. Yeah, my place. So, you know, my place has always been available, except for maybe about four weeks a year where yeah. I would stay at my own place. But uh, my good friend and co-author of the book "Get Paid for Your Pad," Josefa, he used to do that. He used to rent out his place. In Los Angeles, he put it up on the weekends, and then if somebody would book it, he and his buddy, who was they were living together, they would just grab the car and drive to Vegas for the weekend. Yeah, and that would be exactly like you said. the The amount of money that they would make on Airbnb would be their budget. So it's a cool way to use Airbnb. You've also started a website, laptoplandlord.com. And you, your goal is to educate other Airbnb houses. Is that correct? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to keep all this information myself. There was even back in 2012, 2013, when I started, I started noticing that, you know, there were websites starting up like, like yours and others that I started bookmarking. You know, I just had all these different resources that I built this little system for myself so I could reference different things on everything from photography to writing reviews to kind of some of the tips and tricks that some of the more advanced hosts hosts were using. And I also realized that I was starting to get a lot of questions from friends and family about being a host. They knew that I had hosted people on Airbnb. And so whenever we were on one of those weekend trips or whatnot that took us out of town, people would ask me, you know, oh, are you hosting guests this weekend? What's that like? And, you know, kind of everything from um, oh, I could never do that. Uh, I, I think I think that's awesome, you know. And they liked hearing the stories of different interactions with guests. So I thought, well, you know, I've got I've got all these resources. I really enjoy hosting and talking to other people about it. People are curious about it. You know, it would be kind of kind of selfish of me to keep all these resources that I had kind of so meticulously organized to myself. So that's what kind of led to me thinking about, well, why don't I, you know, why don't I put it out there? on a website where I can share it with other people and hopefully help, you know, whoever's just getting started with it or even people that are, that have already become hosts and maybe took a different path, you know, just to help people, people kind of plug into this kind of exploding ecosystem of all these different resources now that weren't necessarily available back when Airbnb started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember when I started in 2012, I was kind of doing the same thing. I was searching all over the internet to find information 
And then I, I wrote a lot of stuff down and that was kind of the basis for the book. Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com pad. You've created a really good resource, I have to say, um, with lots of, lots of useful links and lots of useful tips. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend people can check it out at uh, laptoplandlord.com. But, uh, you've also composed a number of, of tips that you want to share with the listeners today, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's helpful sometimes. You mentioned the, I appreciate you kind of mentioning the, the resource that's on, that's featured on the site now. And one of the downsides of that, it sounds great. You know, I've got, I think there's over 65 different resources there of some of my favorite things uh, or places to go when I need inspiration or some reference points. But at the same time, when you, when you get in there, it's like, wow, 65 plus resources is also a lot to go through and look at. So, you know, I thought it would be helpful uh, to kind of go over my, I've got four different tips that I think are most helpful. And I tried to, I tried to also think about, you know, things that wouldn't just be helpful for people that haven't hosted before, but also that wouldn't just be helpful for those that are kind of seasoned hosts. Hopefully it's, I think, uh, things that I see missed a lot when I'm, you know, reading different resources and reading about hosts or looking through and looking for Airbnbs myself. We're traveling upcoming this June and July, and we've been looking for listings. And I, I see a lot of these things missed, you know, that that's kind of the the four different tips I have all relate to that and hopefully hopefully can be helpful for people who haven't hosted or are thinking about it, but also people who who are hosting and maybe want to take things to the next level or make sure that they're doing it correctly. So do you want me to share those? Yeah, let's hear him. Cool. Cool. So I think, you know, one of the things, and I almost call it step zero, uh, because I think uh it's one of those things that's important to to almost call out as well before you even start to be a host. I think it's important to figure out who you are as a host and what type of place you are. So uh, or what type of place you want to have. So, you know, a few things under that. I think it's important to to pick a niche and try to be be a lot to a small group of people rather than try to be something to everyone and try to appeal to everyone. I think for anyone that that hasn't done hospitality type background, they might try to just you know, please everyone because they're, you know, they're coming from different walks of life. And I think, you know, it, it's a lot easier to create a listing that attracts the exact right person based on, you know, what your area is best suited for versus trying to please everyone. And I think a great example of this is what you did. And I know you've, you've now sold your place in Amsterdam, but I, Jasper, you had um, your listing in Amsterdam. I know you've talked about before was suited for couples. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So I think you had, you know, because of the layout of the place and, and what you had, you kind of figured out over time that, you know, you're going to market directly to couples and write your description that way. And maybe, you know, have your photos in a certain way or your captions in a certain way. So I think, you know, that did a great job of attracting couples while I think, and the other side of that is it, 
it may have repelled non-couples because it was, well, that's not, that's not really for me if it's talking about that it's perfect for couples, which people might think, well, I don't want, I don't want anybody to not, you know, want my listing, but I think, I think you do. And it's a little counterintuitive, but I think, you know, if you can kind of specialize in something while everyone around you in your neighborhood might be trying to be everything to everyone, you can really kind of customize your experience. So I don't know if you did this, Jasper, but if it's if it's somebody that's looking to have couples, you know, a lot of people will have like a welcome package or whatnot. You might have something different in that welcome package or, you know, if it's whether it's snacks or a bottle of wine or whatever it might be, you might that might be different if you're places suited for couples versus if, you know, if you found out, you know, you know, there's a lot of bachelor parties in your area and you want to to cater to that, the experience that you're going to want to create is going to be very, very different. And I can't imagine a listing that serves both of those kind of two different extremes. Yeah, absolutely. And the bachelor, the bachelor parties are the type of crowd that I try to avoid. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, leave that for somebody else who's, who's maybe ready for that. They maybe wrote some really, really specific, uh, uh, guest guidelines in their house rules area specifically suited for that where, you know, if you wrote those same rules in your couple's listing, they might kind of look at you or look at the listing like, well, we would never do half of these things. Why are they even saying this? So I think that's the first one is kind of figure out who you are as a host. And it kind of depends on, you know, what, what type of property you have. I know your place in Amsterdam, Jasper, was laid out in a certain way that was um, great for couples, which is perfect. Um, your own personality. What are you best suited for? Do you want to be kind of that hands-on host that's maybe maybe there if you're just renting out a room or or nearby? Or are you somebody who's going to be a little bit more remote? Um, I know there's both types there. And then the time commitment. So what type of time commitment do you want to make? Do you, you know, are you going to want to be pretty heavy and hands-on with people and commit a lot of time yourself? Or um, is it something where you're you have a pretty busy lifestyle and you just want to give, you know, maybe a few hours a month or even a few hours a year? Um, you can do that. So that's the that's the top one is kind of figure out who you are. Um, Makes a little sense. Like pick your yeah. niche. I think that's yeah, a, be, that's that's great advice. Yeah. So I, I think the the second one is just to take some time to set up your listing correctly. You know, a lot of people I see a lot of partial listings out there. So that can come in the form of you know a headline, which is so important. Uh, the headline of your listing, a headline kind of just being you know, pretty vanilla or not thought out or even relating back to the last point, um, being general versus making it very specific about your area. And there's a lot of great resources out there about writing headlines. So I won't dive too much into that. But things like photos that don't have captions, that's a one that I see quite a bit where, I mean, the photos obviously are are great. Um, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to kind of frame those photos with words to make sure that people are kind of seeing things the way that you want to see them. So I think there's ways to do that as well. So I think that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's the second one is just take some time to set up your listing correctly. There's lots of resources out there to help you do that. So you don't have to, to do that from scratch um, or kind of figure out what that means. But I know you've got you've got several different pieces on your website, Jasper, where people can learn about that as well. So um, that's the second one is take some time to set up your listing correctly. And then I think the third one um, is just to be proactive with customer service. And this is something I think that was I, I mentioned a little bit before um, is part of why, you know, almost accidentally, I was able to be fairly successful early on as a host is, you know, I kind of I had a customer service background, worked in retail management in the past. So, you know, just kind of have that natural you know, ability to communicate with guests. So I think to be specific around that, a few things that people can do is I think it helps to to over communicate with guests or at least what, what most people would feel like they're over communicating. 
and you know you can definitely go overboard with that but i think the line to cross to where you're overboard is a lot further away than most people think it is so some specific examples to communicate with guests before, during, and after they stay. Um, that doesn't mean being in constant communication unless you kind of get a sense that the guest wants that from you. But, you know, beforehand, I think it helps to send the guests, you know, a guidebook if you have one, you know, or at least kind of uh, encourage them to look over the, the guide materials that you probably put into your listing on the Airbnb site. And instructions is helpful as well. So I think right after someone books is a great time to send that guide and instructions or a reminder that they're listed on the Airbnb listing that you have. And then I think, you know, a few days before their stay is helpful as well. A lot of times people book two or three or four months ahead of time. And while it's great that you sent them that guide three months ago, they may not remember that it's buried deep in their inbox. And now they're wanting to take their vacation and they might not remember all those important things that will help to make their their stay smooth. So that's kind of the before. And then during, you know, I, I don't love to be all up in people's business while they're staying. They didn't they didn't come on vacation most likely to to hang out and interact with me. They came out, came to be where in Chicago or wherever they're staying and they want to kind of enjoy the company of whoever they came with. So reaching out during their stay, I'll just usually send a text or a message through the Airbnb app at the end of their first day. Just as a, hey, just checking in. I hope you're enjoying you know, Chicago. And just invite them again to reach out for anything via text or email. Or you kind of have to feel that out, whatever they've been doing along the way. If they've been emailing you the whole time, then make sure you use email for that. Even little things like that, I think, help. Whereas if you're texting someone and they're not somebody who, who uses text messages, you're not going to necessarily get you know, credit from them for being that host who's you know, reaching out and, and making sure that they have... Um, whatever they need from you. And I think the last piece is after. So, you know, review them before they review you. So Airbnb, for those that don't know, have have a two-way review system, which is awesome. You can kind of review both guests and hosts review guests and guests review hosts. Um, and one of the things you can do proactively is even though you can't see each other's reviews until you've both filled out a review or I think until the the review period has expired, you know, you can you can show them that does it does alert the guests that that you have reviewed them when you do that. So I think reviewing them as soon as you can after their stay is over does two different things. It it encourages them to respond back uh, because Airbnb has that built in. They know how important reviews are to their system. So when you review them, Airbnb sends them an email and says, you know, Tyler has filled out a review about you as a guest. Make sure that you review them, you know, b- by this deadline. So it encourages that. And I think even though they can't see your review, they probably assume that it's positive. I mean, unless unless you had a really negative experience and they might they might know that it's negative. In that case, um, there's kind of a whole different approach. But in most cases, they probably assume that it's negative. So they just see that coming through and they go, you know, on top of you being someone who over communicates beforehand and then during the stay to make sure that things are go well. It's just one more touch point where they're seeing, oh, you know, Tyler reached out and, and reviewed again. So this guy's really on top of things. I want to make sure that I review him and they may review right away after they see that that alert from Airbnb. So they've got a positive thought about you in their mind right as they're going to to review you. So I think that's kind of the third piece is just to be proactive and over communicate with customer service. And then the last piece I think is I've seen a lot of people try to kind of now that there are so many tips and tricks out there, people try to automate things as a host too quickly. So, 
Now, the, the tip number four is, is to do it all yourself right away before delegating to someone else or outsourcing or trying to automate things. I think, you know, you need to have, you know, at least five to 10 guests, I think is a good gu- guideline where you've kind of been a full service host as much as you're able to um, so that you understand, you know, the guest's pain points and what your pain points are as a host before you move into, say, having somebody help you hosting. I know Airbnb started a co-hosting program not too long ago. Um, so you can have other hosts in your area help you out. You can also, there are people who have purchased, I was listening to one of your episodes recently, Jasper, there was somebody who had purchased properties they had never been at and started hosting them. And obviously they have somebody helping to host them because they had not only don't go visit those properties, but they they had never visited those properties, which I think is totally great if you've been a host before. And I think, you know, listening to this particular case, they had kind of been in the trenches before. So that's great. But I think a lot of people try to skip right to that before they've kind of been a host and understand both what it takes to be a great host and what guests expect in your specific place. So I think that's, you know, it can actually, it can actually be more work right away to set up some of that delegating and outsourcing and automating if you don't know what, what guests need and expect from you. Uh, and those early reviews are so important. So you don't necessarily, you don't want to start yourself in a hole by getting a few poor reviews because you try to be, you try to be a remote automated host kind of right out of the gate. You can do it and you can get there, but I think, you know, you need to kind of pay your dues first so that you truly understand what it takes to be a host before explaining it to someone else or trying to do it from afar. So those are kind of the four tips, figure out who you are, so that you're, you know, you're attracting the right people and repelling the wrong people. Take some time to set up your listing correctly. Uh, be proactive with customer service and over communicate before, during, and after the guest stay. And then to do it all yourself uh, right away if you're just starting hosting before you delegate, outsource, or automate your your listing. Awesome, dude. Lovely advice. I think it's yeah. all all really good points. To finish up this episode, can you tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about your advice and your website? Yes. So, you know, the website is laptoplandlord.com and I've got something specifically that I thought would be helpful for get paid for your pad listeners. So there's a quiz on there that will basically help you figure out what kind of Airbnb host you are. So going back to tip number one that I just talked through, you know, you kind of need to figure out who you are as a host. So whether that, whether you're just starting out or even if you've been a host for a while, there might be some things that aren't quite going right or some, some friction points that are always kind of difficult and you don't know why it might be because you're trying to be a type of host that's different from what you're best suited for. So put together a 30 second quiz that kind of helps you figure out what type of host you are. So I think, like I said, good for both people who are thinking about hosting and are listening to the show, but you know haven't really figured out how to get started, um, but also people that are, are already hosts. So they can go to, um, they can find that at laptoplandlord.com slash get paid for your pad. Awesome, dude. Love it. Well, thank you so much for uh, your time and sharing all your advice with the listeners. I think it's, it's very insightful and good luck with your Airbnb hosting business. Thanks a lot. Same to you, Jasper. All right. And the listeners, of course, thanks for listening. And we'll be back in a few days with another episode. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.